Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I'd also like to welcome you. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and glad that you're worshiping with us. We are finishing a short little series we've done, looking at a few psalms, and um, next Sunday we start our We Will series. It's our um, fall kickoff. We'll start that with the sermon uh, next Sunday, then we'll have our launch party the following Monday night. It's kind of a one of the, the handful of can't-miss events, I think, that our church does every year. You want to be a part of that. Rachel will give us some more details on that a little bit later. Um, so we're wrapping up in Psalms today, and, and the this, this story kind of popped into my head a few weeks ago, and it's really random that it did. So I was four years old, maybe five, so this has been well over 40 years ago, and it's weird. It's not like I have like hundreds of preschool memories, but it's weird that this is one of them. We were at church and in the, in the little preschool class, and one of the girls in the youth group played the flute. And so she comes in and plays the flute for us, which is really, really cool. And then she asks if we wanted to, tr- wanted to try. And she's like, okay, this is really, it's really hard to do. It's not easy. And so you can't just blow into the hole like this. You have to b- kind of blow like over, over the top like this. And I was like, and, I'm, and, and I apparently at four years old was exactly what I am today. It's like, okay, I, I, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And, and, and I, I couldn't. I mean, I don't know, since then I haven't tried in the last 40 plus years because of my own shame, I guess. I, it, it apparently was really hard. I, I couldn't do it. And then there was this girl in the class, and she, she could. And I remember, and I can still, like I can still, I remember being angry. I was angry and embarrassed. And, and 40 plus years later, I'm like, I can still kind of like, remember that like I remember vividly I remember who she was I remember where I was sitting where she was sitting which classroom it was I remember I remember everything and and I remember and I can still feel like the embarrassment of that I'm like dude you were like four years old and you can't play the flute when you're four I mean like what is what is wrong with me and then here's what happens like I'm gonna gonna tell that story kind of to lead up to this sermon then my brain goes Hey, while we're thinking about things that are really, really embarrassing and things that you don't like, remember this, remember when you did this, remember when you did this, remember when you did this. And it seems like my brain, does anybody else feel like like my brain, like your brain is working overtime to remind you of all of the things that you've done that were embarrassing? You remember remember that one time in sixth grade you called your teacher mom? But but it, it goes beyond that, doesn't it? When, you're, when your brain is, reminds you of, of, of your worst moments, not just your embarrassing ones, but your worst ones, the, the, the worst things that you've ever done. And then, and then all of the emotion and the guilt and the shame, it just, it just comes right back. And, and honestly, man, I just feel like, I feel like this is just something that I battle. I feel like this is something that we all battle. It's like, what does it really mean for me in my life to really experience full, full on just healing and forgiveness for the worst moments of your life? And I'm guessing I don't have to try really hard. It's like, hey man, let's just take a moment. Let's just think about, let's just think about the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Think about the worst thing that you've ever done. And your brain, is, your brain is like, man, I've been waiting for somebody to ask this question. I got, I got there. Boom! And then, and then there it is. And then, and then, and then you, f- and you feel all of that. 
And, I, th- and I, think we, I think we carry it. I think we're carrying things around with us for years. And then, and then it's like, you, 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 and then you do something else. You do something else dumb. You do something else that's, that's bad. You do something else to hurt somebody. And, and you just have this feeling like, this isn't anything. I don't know that I'll ever be able to get over this. And it can just overwhelm us. Or it can lead us to this state of denial. But I really believe, man, learning how to deal with the guilt and shame of kind of our worst moments, of the worst things that we've done, and really what does it mean to, to overcome that? What does it really mean to be healed? I, mean, I think this is one of the greatest, most important lessons I think that we can learn. And we're going to be in Psalm 51 today, and it was written by a guy named David. You probably recognize that name, pretty famous Old Testament character. He was the second king of Israel after Saul. Uh, yeah, most of us probably at least know the story of David and Goliath, the, the, the teenage boy that killed the giant. He eventually became king and was a great warrior and a pretty good king for Israel. But he had some really bad moments, and you talk about what, what someone's worst moment was. This one is his. Um, he sent his armies out to war, and a king was supposed to go with them, but this time he didn't. So he's already kind of being lazy and kind of shirking responsibility. So we're starting this story with sin, and he's out on top of his castle, and he sees on another roof a woman bathing, and he's like, she's pretty. And, and so he has his guard say, why don't you go get her and bring her to me? So they go and get her, and he has sex with her, and she gets pregnant. And so now we're, we're derelict of duties, we're being lazy, we've now had adultery. And so he's like, well, what are we going to do about this? I don't want people to find out. And so now we're moving into conspiracy. And so he goes, and her husband, who is in, at war, he brings him back to, under some false pretenses in the hopes that he'll go home, sleep with his wife, and that's why she's pregnant and it's all okay. But because he has this honor, he's like, man, I'm not going to have sex with my wife while all my friends and brothers are out there fighting this war. And so he won't even go in his house. He sleeps on the front, front, on the front porch, essentially, so that everyone will know that he did not. And so David's like, now what am I going to do? And so his brain then goes to murder. Well, we're just going to have to kill this guy. This is the only option. And so he sends this note where it's like to the, to the, to the, to the leaders. It says, hey, next time you have this campaign, have everybody push forward. And when they do, have everybody else pull back so that he'll die. And that's exactly what happened. And so then he brought Bathsheba, this woman, into his home. And she became like his third, fourth, fifth wife or something like that. And everything's all good now, apparently, after the lying, the deception, the conspiracy, the adultery, and the murder. And um, he gets confronted by this by one of God's prophets. And um, finally, after just kind of months of just, again, the the worst things people can do, um, his heart is finally broken. And in that, he writes several of these psalms, and this is one of them, probably the most famous of the ones, that is kind of him pouring out his heart of just, uh, of just re- repentance and, and anguish over what, he, what he's done. So it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit longer than some of the other ones, and so, um, but I just want to go ahead and read all of it because I believe just his pouring out of emotions here is incredibly powerful. So Psalm 51, starting in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord. Open my mouth, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So, I mean, the, the, just one of the great things about this is just this is the rawness and the realness of his emotion. You can just feel his grief and his sadness and, and just, and just lament and his frustration with himself and his being overwhelmed by the sin. And I think just even that is just a great principle to learn that when, when we do fail, when we do sin, when we do hurt others, when we do the worst things, to just pour out that emotion to God, which is what He does. And just that is enough, I think, for some of us. I mean, that's just a very powerful example. But in His, in his prayer, in his, in his crying out to God, I think He says some really important things that I think that can help us. Can help us have to, to heal... Right? And, and to not be overwhelmed by the guilt and shame of our past, but also not to be in denial about the realities of who we are and our own sinful nature. And so what he does is I think he, he's, he's kind of talking about two different things at the same time. There's what he's doing. This is God, that God, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. But then there's also the things that he's asking God to do. So on the one hand, in this healing process that David is wanting to go through, there's the part that God must do, and then there's the part that David must do. And I think we need to be clear about what all of these things are and make sure that we put them in the right categories. So if, if we're trying to do the things that only God can do, we're going to be frustrated. But also, if we fail to do the things that God has called us to do, we're not going to experience the healing either. And so we're going to talk about first the thing that, that he's asking God to do, and then talk about the things that he needs to do in order to see that happen. And so... God's job, God's part is this, is that redemption and restoration, redemption and restoration, that's God's job. This is what God does. God heals broken hearts. God um, fixes things that are broken. God is the one that can make things new. I can't make something new. I can't heal something. I can't, I can't restore something. This is something only God can do. And so if you think that you can go out there, it's like, I'm going to make my heart something different. We can't do that. God created us, and God is the one that can recreate us. And no amount of religious ritual, no amount of good service, this is, we, we get into this mindset 
I know I did this bad thing, but if I'll do ten good things, then that somehow evens it all out. And that may, may even out some ledger sheet, but that does not do the real work of healing your heart. And David says this. He's like, listen, I, 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 if, if, if offering a sacrifice, if that would do it, I would do it. But I know that that's not what you want from me. What is the sacrifice you want from me? You want a broken spirit. The religious ritual is not going to get me there because God must remake a heart. So if you want to be restored in a relationship with God, if you want to be healed, that's something that God must do. And, and redemption, redemption, I think make sure that's kind of a, it can feel like a church where make sure we understand what redemption means. Redemption is like you, you do something bad and you want to make up for it. So, so right, like, so I play, you play bad, our team played bad uh, this week, but we're going to redeem ourselves the next week. So this was bad, but then we're going to do this other thing and then it's going to be good. Or some politician or actor or whatever does something terrible. They get their names in the news. And it's like now they're out there seeking redemption. I did something bad and now I'm, I, 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 I need something to happen in order to pay for this, in order to be made good again. And that is uh, what God does. He can redeem you. I have done bad. I have been bad. All of these things have happened to me. And, and God can redeem me. God can pay for the healing. God does the restoration. And we see this most clearly in, in, in this psalm, starting in verse 10. And again, several worship songs have been written with that almost our word for word, what this says. Verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. My spirit is unwilling. I need you to give me a willing one. My joy is lost. I need you to restore that in me. My heart is impure. I need you to create a new one and put it in me. my, My spirit gives up. I need you to renew that spirit in me. This is what you can do, God, and I need you to do it. If you are living in such a way where you think that religious ritual and practice, doing better, working harder, are the kinds of things that are going to get you a new and better heart, you are going to be perpetually frustrated. Because no amount of good things can remake you on the inside. We need God to remake us on the inside. And years, centuries before the coming of Jesus Christ. David understands this. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came to redeem you. He paid the price. And he says that he will make all things new inside of us. And so we need to understand, we have to humble ourselves and say, I'm going to allow God to do the part that only God can do. Obviously, that does not mean that we do not have a role to play. We have a very significant role to play. And it is not David just sitting here, well, God, if you want to do something, better do it. I'm over here. I messed up. You saw I messed up. If you want things to be better, you better do something about it. You see him pouring out his heart. And we see him understanding what his role is. I'm not the one that can restore my relationship with God. I'm not the one that can redeem myself. God must do these things. But what is his job? Redemption and restoration is God's job. Reflection and repentance, that's yours. 
reflection and repentance. I, I, he, he's like, he has this moment, and you just feel it just kind of pouring out of here. What did I just do? How did I, how did I get to this place? How, I, I, thought I, was a, I thought I was a good guy. How am I even capable of this? He's like, I'm a sinner. He's like, I've been a sinner from the beginning, if you think about it. I am broken. I, there is something wrong with me on the inside. Which is something I think is really important for us, that kind of deep level of reflection. Because there's this thing that's happened. This is, you know, it doesn't happen as much anymore. Well, at least it, it's, it's different now. But when, when Heidi and I were first married, it was really weird and frustrating to me. Like, she would come home, or we'd be together, and suddenly she's just, like, being mean. I mean, just mean. And she's just talking mean, she's being mean, she's saying hurtful things, and I'm like, it's just getting all on me. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And she says, ah, I'm just hungry. And I'm like, now, come on now. I mean, that just, just, it just always felt to me like just throwing an excuse out there. Like somehow it's like some sort of get out of jail free card, right? Like I'm like, I'm like I, well, I'm, I'm hungry. And I'm like, man, what is this even? And then, then one day you have four women living in your house. And you're like, man, this is real. And I need to have snacks with me all the time. I just like to be throwing out snacks. Because it's like we, we get hungry and things just get cranky. So, so I get it. I get it. I get it. It's fine. It's fine. But here's the thing that happens to us. Sometimes that's legit, Right? Sometimes, let's be honest, it's not. But sometimes that's, 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 that's the most reflection, ref, reflective that we're ever going to get. Man, what's, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm just tired. I'm just hungry. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a long week. I'm, I just, it, it's, it's, you know, and, we, and, and we act like, or we like to act like this thing that I did is separate from me. I don't know how this happened. It's external circumstances or things that, that, that I'm really not in control of that made this happen. Or maybe actually it's you that did this. If you weren't the way you are, this would never happen. And, and, and our ability to be introspective, to really look inward and say, what is really going on with me? We won't do it. He, on the other hand, is recognizing, wait a second, I think in my very core, I am sinful. And he uses all of these synonyms for evil to describe himself and what is going on in his heart. There's wickedness in me. And if we never really get to that honest piece of reflection, then God won't be able to do his job. It's when I'm willing to recognize how bad things are. But we like to, again, we like to blame other people. We like to blame circumstances. Or then we do this thing where it's like we compare ourselves. We're like, I can, I can, I can, think, of, I can think of 10 other people who have done like 100 things way worse than anything that I've done. And somehow then that makes what I am okay. Which is why the thing that we say, we, we say this, right? It's crazy that we still say this. Well, I've never killed anybody. One, that's not a great standard, and two, well, I guess this guy did, right? So this guy did, but here's the thing. I can say that. I can say I've never killed somebody, but you know what I can't say? I, can ne- I can't say to anybody that I've never wanted to. And not in a ha-ha-ha-ha, preacher-made joke way. No, I'm like thinking like, 
I wish that person were dead, and if I could get away with it, I think I might would kill them. Like, like really? And I'm like, dude, that's in my heart like for real. That, if I were willing, it's like, what, what, are, what is the most evil thing that I wish I could get away with? What, is, what are the darkest things that are really going on in my heart? And if, and, and if I dig down deep enough, I'm going to find a lot of darkness. And that's real. But it's not just reflection, then it's repentance. And we need to make sure, again, repentance is a fancy church word. We understand that repentance, you know, hey, I'm saying I'm sorry, but we understand that there's a difference, say, between repentance and remorse. You know, uh, like remorse is like, ah, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. You know, and sometimes your apologies are like that. You know that, right? Like you do something terrible, and, and then you say, yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, like, some, like some, some passive voice idea that somehow just some mysterious force did this thing to you. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. Now, I'm ready, I'm ready to punch somebody by the time you say, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. I mean, you did it. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. I wish it hadn't happened. No, no. I did evil to you, and I'm sorry. Repentance is more than just wishing that it hadn't happened. It is a recognition of the real seriousness of what it is, and then taking the steps to say that I don't want to do that anymore. And again, that's the level of real contrition and sadness and depth of emotion that David is expressing here. He, he recognizes the depths of what's really going on in his heart. And he's like, I don't want to be this anymore. God, I need, I need you to do it. And you put these two things together, and David is restored and is referred to for the rest of his life and for generations to come, and is memorialized in the Bible as a man who was after God's own heart. He was the model for every good or bad king. He was like, well, this was a good king like David. This was a bad king not like David. Uh, the murderer, the adulterer, the conspirator who has done some of the worst things that people can do is referenced as one who had God's heart in a unique way and is the standard by which all other kings are judged on whether or not they did or did not follow God. The murderer. Because that is the kind of heart that God redeems. That is the kind of heart that God can restore. He is not limited and whatever baggage it is that you think that you're carrying around, whatever hurt you have, whatever damage that you've done, whatever, whatever the worst things that are popping into your mind over the course of this morning, God, God, God redeemed this. God restored this. God made this new. And God is looking to make you new. God wants to restore you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to build in you a completely different heart. He wants to free you from the baggage. He wants to free you from the guilt and the shame. And that is why His Son, Jesus Christ, came. And that's why He lived. That's why He died. And He did all that for you. But it is going to begin for us with honest moments of reflection and real repentance. But there's an interesting thing that He says here at the end. After He describes what He needs to do and He describes what God needs to do. Then, then, then he says this, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. God, you do this for me, I'm going to tell everybody about it. I am, I'm just going to tell them. And you want to talk about something that the world needs? 
You don't think we live in a world with a lot of people, with a lot of wickedness and evil in their heart, overwhelmed by guilt and shame? We absolutely do. There's a really cool thing that's happened at the Grove Church over the last few years, and I get the privilege. Sometimes it can be a bit of a burden. At other times, not in a bad way, but I get to hear about the people that come to this church and the people who come and find the church for the first time have had some really bad things done to them before they get here. Or in a lot of instances, they've done some really, really bad things. Like next level kind of stuff. Stuff that I assure you no one in our church would have never even confessed to. And I hear some, some, some pretty wild stories about what's going on in people's lives. And the really cool thing is that they come here and they're able to, to be loved and accepted. And God loved David and will love you. And, and, and people with a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt, and a lot of baggage find healing and hope here. That's the kind of church we're trying to be, and that's the kind of person we're trying to send you out in the world to be. Because at the same time, we want you to find the healing in your heart. We want you to take that healing to a world that desperately needs it. Because you want to talk about something to offer? God offers healing and forgiveness from the worst and the guilt and the shame of your life. That's what God does. You take that out there, that God is real. And God really can renew your heart and rid you of the guilt and shame that we all carry with us. That's who God's called us to be. So as we did last week, we're going to have some extra time for kind of worship and reflection. And as always, there's lots of different ways to do that. There's uh, the prayer team would love to pray with you if needed. There's prayer candles, communion. There's a cross. We have an opportunity to give. Lots of ways to respond. But I would encourage you, maybe just take out a few of those verses of Psalm 51 instead of reading them. Why don't you pray them to God? Why don't you ask, ask God to do the work inside you that you need to be done? And, but then you need to do the work too. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm not going to ignore what's really there. I'm going to be honest about who I am. I'm going to repent and turn from that and expect God to do a miracle. And then ask God, when He heals you, when He renews you, God, who would you love for me to take this to? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this psalm. I thank you for David. I thank you for his honesty. I thank you for his emotion. God, I thank you that centuries before your son Jesus Christ came that he saw this. He understood. He knew that it wasn't about sacrifices. It wasn't about ritual. Those are not the things that bring healing. God, it is only your grace and your mercy that can give us the healing that we need. And so, God, I pray that we would experience all of that right now through your Son, Jesus Christ, and His death on the cross for us. And so, God, I pray that you would, that you would create in us a a new heart, that you would renew a right spirit. God, that we would not be cast away from your presence anymore. But, God, that we would be restored. And so, God, I pray that we'd be willing to be honest about what's going on in our hearts, in our lives. The God that we would really want to repent and turn from that. And the God that you would make us new. And the God as we experience this healing that we would tell the world about the hope and the life that you offer through your son Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.